This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. After our interview, I realized I still had a couple more questions for Morris. Thank you so much. It's Alec. Thank you so much for taking this phone call. This is not a cold call from some policeman's benevolent association, I hope. It's a call from AT&T. Uh-oh. Years ago, when I kept failing to pay my phone bill, and the phone company was after me, they were hot on my ass. Really? And my stepfather took me aside and said to me, Errol, don't you think it's time you turned yourself into the phone company? <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, mm, no, I don't think I want to do that. Well, while I have you, I want to ask you, I want to ask you about collaboration. We wanted to append. Every now and then I think about things I did not do to my satisfaction. And I wanted to talk to you just briefly about collaborations. Because obviously, as a filmmaker, you have fairly steady, uh, you know, there's a couple films you've made with different people. And I just wanted to go through some of these folks. Sure. Now, of course, the first one that comes to mind is Glass, because yep. I, I downloaded and I watched Fog of War again the other day, and I've rarely, I'm kind of a nut for score and music and how well it fits or how intrusive it is and, and blah, blah, blah. And he composed that original score. You didn't access some material of his. That was original score for the film, correct? I often sat with him at the piano. I've rarely heard score that was more compelling than that score for Fog of War. It was beautiful. And I was wondering, how did you first begin your collaboration with Glass? How did you guys find each other? Well, I had shot most of the Thin Blue Line. I was editing. I was using scratch tracks. When you're editing a film, when the formal music hasn't been written for the film, you need something to edit with. What did I edit with? I edited with Philip Glass various tracks from music that he had written previously, from glass works, from In the Upper Room. It worked so well that I kept saying, we need to find somebody who can write like Philip Glass. And then there was that, do we want to call it an epiphany? Why not get the dude himself? Right. Why not get Philip? And that was not so easy. I just kept nagging him and nagging him to see the film. And we set up a screening. He reluctantly came in, looked at the cut of the Thin Blue Line, and immediately said, I'm writing the music for it. Wow. Wow. And it was really, really, I mean, we've done many things together now, but it was a really interesting collaboration. Um, I remember sitting at the piano with him and I said to him at one point, you know, the trouble with this music is it's just not repetitive enough. And he gave me this very funny look, and he said, that's a new one. <laughs> but the collaboration worked. I believe we work really, really well together. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Now, now when, he, when you work with someone like that, and I apologize because uh, I should have asked you this earlier, but... Uh, did you have any background in music? You say you sat at the piano, so you played. And when you're there with him, is he putting forth things and playing selections for you in music, you know, pieces of it for you, and you are just going, great, yes? Or do you actually make suggestions to him about what you want in terms of the film's music? I would say the latter. 
I mean, I said all kinds of crazy things to him that are probably deeply inappropriate. What, how so? Why? Well, I remember him playing the main cue for the Thin Blue Line. I said, you know, if you raise that voice up an octave, I think it could be much better, maybe even two octaves. And he did. And then he said, I think you're right. What's the last project you did with him? Well, we did Fog of War. We did a film to commemorate the 100th anniversary of IBM together. And he's writing the music for my new series. So it's an ongoing relationship. And I am a fan. I've always been a fan, and I remain a fan. You two had the same music teacher over in France, is that correct? We did. Uh, Who who was that teacher? Can you believe that? No, uh, well, I I guess I can, actually. (laughs) With you, anything's possible, I've learned. (laughs) Nadia Boulanger. Oh, it was it was the Nadia Boulanger. Oh, incredible. The formidable, frightening Nadia Boulanger herself. And you were with her when? God, I was still in high school. It's a thousand years ago. Right, right. No, I understand. Um, one of the other collaborations, I just want to hit some of the key ones here, was Doug Abel, and you just did Fog of War with him. He didn't. You didn't do any other projects with him? I did something you would really, really like, which I would send to you, is a portrait of Rick Rossner. One of the smartest men in the world. What's the name of the film? I think it's called One in a Thousand Million Trillion. Okay. Was it released? It was on television. It was part of a series, First Person. It's really one of the strangest and one of the funniest things I've ever done. I'll, I'll look it up. I have this misfortune. No one thinks maybe I can convince you that I'm funny. But it's that Rumsfeld. Did we talk about my version of Rumsfeld? Well, you told me that you thought Rumsfeld was the least, I don't want to say self-disclosive, because that's really not the goal, I guess, when you're talking to people like that, but just the, the, the most uh, uh, obtuse, if that's, well, that's my I have word. A version, I have a version of his known, known, non, unknown, et cetera, et cetera. My version is the known funny. For example, you would be the known funny. Right. I know that you're funny. I find you funny. You constantly say funny things. And then, of course, there is the known unfunny. We're all familiar with that. <laughs> yes. I would put Rumsfeld in that category. The known unfunny. The known unfunny. The known deeply unfunny. Well, we release the film and call it that. Well, let's look at some old footage and see but if we can that up. Then there's another category, the unknown unfunny, which is a very scary category. It's deeply unfunny, but you don't know it yet. Well, that describes half the things I see on TV. Only half? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying not to be too negative. Okay. If I told the truth about how I felt about, you know, much of what's going on out there, I would be... uh... Aside from this conversation, are you going to work with me? That's the only question I'm interested in. The answer is yes. The answer is fuck yes. Well, I would be pleased to work with you, so we will Think of what we can do. Think of what we can do. Anything you need, anything you need, but please don't, don't hesitate to contact me. Now, so, so when you're with Abel and someone like that, I mean, I'm assuming that you're very hands-on at, at editing. What, what does an editor do for you other than just give you a, an assembly? Uh, they work with me. Right. We talk. We think about what we're doing together. They're a companion. Did you have an editor that you felt you worked really, really closely with? Or you did, did, you I've did had it? fabulous editors. My editor, as we speak, Stephen Hathaway, Karen Schmier, who was one of the editors on Fog of War, Doug Abel. I've 
been lucky. I've been lucky with cameramen, with editors, with producers. I've been unlucky too, but I've, for the most part, been very, very lucky. I mean, have you ever worked with an editor more than once? Of course, you have. Because I look, I look in the, I look at the, uh, you know, IMDb. My current, my current editor, Stephen Hathaway, has been working for me for twenty years. What makes what makes a good editor? Uh, he is really smart. He has a really good idea of structure and story. And he actually rolls up his sleeves and immediately gets to work. All he lives on are dailies. You know, the only thing I'm good for, and it's not clear that I'm really good for anything, but I'm a dailies producer. It's what an editor wants. Please give me more dailies. The, um... Uh, Ted Baffalukas was your production designer. An amazing, an amazing character. He worked. Yeah. Didn't didn't Baffalukas work with? Uh, let me look up and see. I Barry he, Levinson. He worked with Levinson, and he. Uh, um, I'm trying to see what else he did. It's a kind of. Um, not that every story isn't a tragic story properly considered, but he was one of the most talented people that I have ever met. Certainly, one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. And he was never really given his due. He should have been directing many, many, many films. He directed one film, which got limited distribution, but is a kind of what film called Rockers. Right. What was his wife? Didn't he have a wife in the business? That's who was him also. He did. Eugenie Buffalo. That's it. Eugenie Buffalo. Wardrobe. I worked with her. I worked with her. That's the connection I had with him. Yeah. I remember his wife. I remember his wife. Yeah, yeah. We worked together for, I think, probably something with Demi. Something with Demi. That makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask you just two more here. Robert Chappell. One of my cameramen that I've worked again and again with. You did a lot with him. Chopsky, who did The Thin Blue Lion, who also did Batman Returns. Someone asked me, I was being interviewed for the DGA. They asked me, why are all the shots so dark in The Thin Blue Lion? And I thought, what? What are you saying? This is about a murder that occurred on a dark roadway in West Dallas close to midnight. It's a film noir documentary, if anything. Would you ask a film noir director, say you're talking to Jacques Tourneur about Out of the Past, would you say to him, oh, you know, those shots are so dark. Why'd you do that? What was that about? It's a dark story. It involves a cop killing. Still to this day, the way people see documentary it's as if they don't even see it. They see something other than at least what I want to show them. Eugenie Baffalukas did Miami Blues, the movie that I did. That, she that did Demi, indeed. That Demi produced and, uh, uh, and George Armitage would direct it. And, and then she it's did Gross Point movie. Blank. Well, it, it's, it's a loopy movie, but I, but I had a good time. Yeah, George did Gross Point Blank with... Uh, um, sure. And let's not forget the guy that I work now, uh, who's my DP, uh, Igor Martinovich, who is just kind of fabulous. He did Wormwood, he did American Dharma, he's doing my new series. You're not the best I've seen, but you're up there in terms of this game you play where you just, you know people love you and admire you. And you do what I do. And, I mean, in the Irish, maybe the Jews are like the Irish, where it's like, let's just get this over with. That's my theory <laughs> of, of life. 
Yeah. We, we know what's going to end. The Irish way of living is, let's yeah, just okay, get this over next? with. We know how it's going to end. Let's just cut to the ending. Maybe we can be in a nursing home together. Well, I always told my wife, literally, I said, when I die, if I could, maybe you, you could shoot this movie. It would be great. You and all your gang. Philip Glass could do the music. It would be so compelling. I said to my wife, if I found that I'm going to die, if I had a terminal illness, we're going to film it all. We're going to film, you know, the doctor's going to say, I think you need to come in and see me as soon as possible. Boom, we get the cameras ready, we go in, he says, you have cancer. And we find that I'm sick, and by the end, I'm in the bed, and we do split screen, and you kind of see a camera, like, kind of, like, no, raking over my face, a little, little light coming through the window. But you see the monitor at the foot of the bed and the other split screen. So when I flatline and I'm dead, the moment I die, it's on camera. We film the moment. I just go— Do you know that Timothy Leary did just that? Did he really? Yep. He filmed the, the moment of his death. He filmed the whole week-long episode of his— Dropping dead, yes. And, and was anything ever done with it? Did, did it come out? You mean at your local multiplex? Yeah, no, is it a blockbuster? But is it available? <laughs> yes. It's available where? It's like everything else on the fucking internet. It's on YouTube. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Of course it's on YouTube. What isn't on YouTube? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Let's make a movie about that. I'll play Leary. No, you don't want to do a narrative film. I am wanna... doing a narrative film. Then let's Fuck do a you. All right, let's do, do me a favor. I always say the same thing. Just, but let me finish my question. Representation. Have you ever, agents, managers, has anybody ever helped guide your career and open doors for you? Or are you, like most people I know who are extraordinarily talented, you just get the work yourself. It all just comes to you yourself. I have perhaps the most powerful agent in the business. I can't really recall what he's done for me. <laughs> but, yeah. well, my agent would say to me, I want you to read this script. And he would start to describe the merits of the film. And I would say, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I said, you're an air traffic controller. You just land the plane and make sure there's plenty of peanuts and, and Diet Coke on board. And then we take off again. I said, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not interested in your creative interpretation of the material. Just land the plane. There was a terrible crash at San Francisco International Airport. Some plane came in from, I believe it was Korea, and they hit the seawall. They crashed. Um, people were killed horribly. And very shortly after that, I flew into San Francisco. And as I'm getting off the plane, I looked at the pilot and said, thank you for not hitting the seawall. And he gave me this very strange look, but I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. Thank you for landing the plane. Well, let me just say this to you. I'm going to find out how I can email your office. I don't want your personal contacts, but I'll get like a, an assistant, an office email, something that's appropriate. And I'm, I'm going to make you so sorry that you mentioned working with me because I'm just going to keep pulsing you and pinging you and driving you insane until you let me come. I'll play a cab driver. I'll play a, 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 a sommelier. I don't give a shit how small it is. I just want to shoot something with you. You're going to have trouble driving me insane because I'm already there. Well, we're going to drive you further down the cab okay. the coal okay. down the well of insanity. All right, many thanks to you. I wanted to put this in there about collaborations with you. That's very important. 
Okay, and thank you for doing this. People seem to have responded to it. What's the word? Favorably. I got. I can't tell you how many people have said this something to me. I, people come up to me all the time, and they'll go. And the more unusual, if it's somebody that we know is on a tour, and you know somebody who's selling a book or what have you, we don't object to that. I mean, that's a part of the business. But I have had so many people say to me how much they love this interview with you. You have many, 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 many admirers out there. Many. Well, many, I am many. on a tour. I'm on a tour to nowhere. <laughs> I want to go on that tour with you. Let me come on tour with you. Oh, we'll go on tour together. All right. Have a lovely day, and thank you. <laughs> okay. Adios. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye. We're on a tour to nowhere together.